0: This is actually the very first car I ever got. American Express car. Does anybody remember American Express? Remember these commercials? I do have Flight 139 in 20 minutes, but only in first class. I'll take it. Get a common one flight. I'll do that. get home to his, see his his child's school program. Well, he can make it because he has an American Express card. He can fly first class. He can get some cash and he can get the cab and whatever. And he's got to pay the debt. But anyway. what um, <laughs> I do think is interesting that, of course, that commercial obviously plays on the, the desire to, to be different, to be special. And that idea of being part of something that has privileges or this special is not an idea that is foreign to the scriptures. In fact, as we get into 1 John 3 this morning, we're going to actually see John's tone kind of changes somewhat. Uh, his last chapter was all about warnings and deceivers and antichrists and kind of scary and lions and tigers and bears of mind. Um, and now he's going to change to talk about our identity as God's children. Which is certainly a membership that has its privileges. Remember, uh, we finished out last Sunday. John encouraged us to abide in Jesus, uh, which I, I kind of said he needs to stick to him like velcro. To stick to Jesus, we do that according to Jesus himself by abiding in His Word and living out His commandments. When we do that, we solve the possibility of being deceived by deceivers. And then we are able to stand firm against the temptations of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life. And now as we get into chapter 3, we're going to see that not everything is a struggle or a warning. Thank goodness, because that was getting pretty heavy after a while. And I can only talk about deceivers and antichrists and flesh and the eyes and the devil and everything else for so long before I start to get kind of depressed about the whole thing. Uh, but John reminds us now, he's going to, to tell us, that we're actually very blessed and privileged. Because we're not merely just followers of Jesus, but in fact, through Jesus, we are now children of God. He starts chapter 3 this way. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. God has created for us a relationship that is much deeper than, than merely associates, followers, or even friends. Through Christ, we receive not only redemption from sin, but we are brought into God's family become part of his eternal family through the ages. Paul puts it like this in Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, I like that point about no longer being a slave because when he's talking about being a slave there, being a slave to the law, what he's really pointing out is that we were at one time slaves to sin. We sinned because that's what slaves to sin do. What our natural way of being was. Romans tells us as much. I mean, without going there and reading through a couple chapters of Romans, it's what Romans talks about being slaves to sin Chapter six. But now we're children of God. And as children, we are full heirs. Full heirs. In both Roman and Jewish law, if someone was adopted into a family, they had the full status and privileges just as a natural born child. There was no difference according to how they reviewed. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. So God's spirit in us is telling us we are children of God. You're, you're not, if, if you're if you're hanging out there somewhere, you're sitting up there this morning, and you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, and you feel like you just ugh. Right? But you can't do anything right. Life's just rotten. So whatever, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe you're just depressed. Remind yourself that the Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God and fellow heirs of Christ. When you look at that fellow heirs of Christ part, that means that whatever Jesus has that we can have a share in, we get. Now, obviously, there are some things Jesus has that even as his heirs, we do not have a share in. Okay? No matter how much God loves you, or me, or how great you are, You are never going to be king of kings and lord of lords. It ain't going to happen. Sorry. That's something Jesus has that I cannot share in. But there's a lot of other things that Jesus has, a lot of other great stuff that we can share in. Direct access to God. You talk to God. You don't even come through me or through anybody. You talk to God, right? Huge privilege. direct access to God. Full eternal life. How was that, man? Victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil. Right. Did Jesus on the cross not, and through his resurrection, not win victory over sin, death, and the power of evil? Yes, he did. Not your head. Yes, he did. You have a share in that. That's why you're no longer a slave to sin. Because through Jesus, you too have conquered sin, death, and the power of the devil. Spirit is in us. We have a share in the coming eternal kingdom. There's a kingdom coming. Jesus is going to return. going to be a kingdom. It's going to be a physical kingdom. It's going to be a real kingdom. If anybody tells you otherwise, Run away. You have a share in that kingdom. You have an eternity to look forward to. Not, not some wispy cloud playing a heart there. You know, it's kind of, my girls lived at home, and their friends have come over. I mean, I think, man, my going can correct me. But I think when, when your friends' friends were over, we were pretty generous friends. Yeah. We didn't pretty much, I mean, you know, we fed them, we let them pretty much out in front of the house, where we Jen and I were just wise hide <laughs> so the kids do what they want. But God bless those kids and But no matter what, the friend's status was not the same as the status of being my child. If all the friends were over, and they were going we to go down to the falls, right, Pool, she could walk to there tomorrow. Um, I might give Marissa ten dollars to grab some food in the pool, but i haven't given all the friends money. <laughs> Sorry, you're on your own, kids. No problem. You want some Papa John's? Whatever. Okay. You know, If the friends were naughty, I could send them home. Right? I mean, they're orderly. Like, if I could take them. Um kids have status with us that even the best friends don't have. Being part of the family is a certain kind of status. It's different than any other status. And so we are now, through Christ, children of God. And children have privileges. But it's important to understand that when you're a child of God and you have privileges, there's also some differences from those who are not children of God. Because we're going to find out that children of God are really not meant for this world. Look at the second half of verse 1 of 1 John 3. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Now, of course, that American Express card commercial plays out the idea that people with an American Express card are set apart. They're different. They have a different status than the average. Which I can tell you is not true. (laughs) Stuff. I could have an unlimited one. (laughs) Nah, then I would feel set apart. Our status as his children sets us apart from the world, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that calls us to not participate in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and to treat other people differently. I think this is a lost idea for many of us in the Western church we really want to fit in with the world in whatever ways we can. We like to fit in. I get that. i, mean, I No one wants to be an outsider, right? Nobody wants to feel left out or to not be socially acceptable. I understand that. The New Testament has some things to say about that. Let's start with what Jesus himself says. John 15, verses 18 to 19. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Well, yeah, that's true. You just like the world? Yeah, cool with that. But because you are not of the world, because you're children of God, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Well, that's kind of Since we're children of God and we're siblings to Christ, means the world's probably not going to like us. We are, by definition and position, different. People of faith who are living like Jesus should stand out. And that means some people are just not going to like us. We're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. That's part of the deal. And we need to learn to be okay with that. (coughs) Now, now I don't mean by being okay with that to flaunt it in some arrogant way, or or to to use it as some occasion to look down our noses and point our fingers at other people who think we're so great. I mean it more like what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own position, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So Peter says, hey, we are called out as a special people for God. Well, that's awesome. Child of God, called out as special. I mean, my mom used to tell me I was special too, but I don't think she hasn't it. He says, we've received mercy. We've been brought up from darkness into the light of Christ. And thus we're no longer like the world around us. But notice he doesn't say that that means we arrogant, or or that we're meant to create some sort of isolationist or ivory tower mentality, okay? We're not supposed to, we're not going to put razor wire around the property, you know, and start, you know, creating our own little weird data crush thing going on here. It's not unique, okay? doesn't mean we turn up our noses at those people who do not believe as if we're so great on a paper plate. What he says, actually, is because we are a special people, a called out people, a people who receive mercy, because we're children of God, we are to live so well among non-believers that even if they try and revile us, in the end, when all the truth comes out, they realize we were living for God and will give God glory because of it. That's what he means. Now we can't do that if we're not living like children of God, but we're still pursuing the unfruitful deeds of darkness. We can't do that if we mistreat those people who do not know the Lord as we do. Being a child of God is something that is lived out in our treatment of others. Hence Peter's, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Being a child of God is a privilege that separates us from other people. But in a way that we love and serve them, all while knowing that even in the midst of that, they may misunderstand us, they may hate us, just as they hated Jesus. That's what it used to be. Set apart. But well, speaking of Jesus, John now tells us another privilege of being a child of God move on to verse 2, he's going to tell us that we're going to be like Jesus in the end. I like this idea. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. If you're already God's child if you put your faith in Jesus. But the end game hasn't even come around yet. We don't even know what it's going to be like him. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Now I'm gonna tell you if this is not one of the greatest promises in the Bible, I I you find me one that's better. I mean, I don't know one that's better than this. But when we see Jesus, when we finally meet Him face to face, resurrection takes place, the creation is renewed, we are gonna be like Jesus. Now you can promise me a lot of things, but man, I don't think it gets much better than that. I'm gonna be like Jesus. My wife said it. Thank the Lord. <laughs> John even, even points out we, we don't even we don't even fully know what that means. Right? Because he hasn't appeared in that second heaven yet. We, we get glimpses, we have some ideas, but we don't we don't even not even fully comprehend that yet. He says, we he says what we will be has not yet appeared. He says, no, I'm not sure. Out of this in 1 Corinthians 15, which is just such a great. I'm going to read the whole passage, even though it's kind of long. And I know my preaching professor in seminary said you should never read long passages of scripture. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 35. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Because that's sort of like what John is throwing out, right? Well, we don't really know. He hasn't appeared yet, right? Well, what kind of body? So somebody, Paul says, okay, well, Paul says, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life until it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and each kind of seed its own body. So in other words, what you got right now is sort of like the kernel." What's common comes out of this, but it's not the same. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, and another for animals, and another for birds, and another for fish, and there are heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun, and there's another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. So it is, with the resurrection of waste away, right, terrible, it's sown in dishonor, we live in dishonor and we We die in dishonor, but it's raised in glory, it's sown in weakness, yeah, oh boy, I than that this week, it's raised in power, I sure hope so, own a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual, right? I've got to go through this perishable, dishonorable, weak state before I get to the imperishable, to the glorious. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Right? Because Adam was built out of the dust, but Jesus came from heaven to earth. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. Yeah. And so, as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So children of God are going to receive physical resurrection bodies that are very much not like this. And after this week, I am really, really looking forward to it. Let me tell you. Now, I don't think, when when we read this, okay, I don't think Paul was trying to be cryptic here. Because when you read it, you're kind of like, you you feel like he's kind of dancing around, like, just tell us exactly, Paul. See, I I think think Paul was trying to explain something the best he could that he or us were just not in a position yet to fully understand. Just not ready to fully grasp it yet. I remember one of my seminary professors described resurrection body, he would say it will be a body appropriate for the sinless realm of eternity. And that was meant to be the end of the discussion. Because you don't really, can't really be 100% sure. But it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's pretty much beyond our comprehension. I mean, if John and Paul can't explain it, well, come look into me. Most of our time. Here's what I do know. Him. Paul wants us to know that that body weight is imperishable. It's, it's indestructible. It's not going to die. It's not subject to, to, to the whims of breaking down. Oh my, I'm a I'm a years Everything's going to work. No, everything's going to work well. The parish is glorious. I don't, know, I don't even know what he I means by glorious. I this is going to be like Jesus. It's powerful. It's fit for eternity, which is what Paul means by spiritual and heavenly. It's fit for eternity not even made for this run. And most importantly, what Paul ends with there, it will be in the image of Jesus. And that just does, doesn't, that, that does not mean you're all going to look like Jesus. Okay. Somehow we're all going to, will know each other in eternity, and the reason I know that is because in the Transfiguration, if you notice, Peter somehow knew Moses and Elijah. Well, I'm not worried that I'm not worried that when I get to eternity, I'm not going to recognize my dad. Where is he? Oh, you didn't even recognize you. No. Okay, but it's going to be in the image of Jesus in the sense of no more sin. It will not desire the things of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Nor be subject to sin, which means no more pain. No more pain. Pharmacists in heaven. I don't know. I'm gonna be subject to decay. I'm gonna be able to have as many chocolate chip cookies as I want. Okay. That last one might be wish (laughs) for me. I don't know. Because you know my theory is you realize in heaven we're all vegetarians. What do they eat in the garden? That's just my special just throwing that out to scare some of you who like this. (laughs) We have to remember that it is a physical body. Jesus was raised physically from the dead. If Jesus was here, you could touch him. You could touch me. We're not going to spend eternity as disembodied Around the heavens on some clouds, trying to play little hearts. Honestly, that sounds more like the other heaven. It's not the heartless. The original creation was physical. The renewed creation will be physical. Jesus was raised physically. Now, now, I don't fully understand how Jesus was raised physically, and right now he's sitting in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And so don't ask me after the seventh, because I don't know, and I'm gonna tell you I don't know. And nobody else knows either because that's not revealed in the scripture. But in some way, in the way God has worked things out, Jesus is in heaven right now. Physically. We're gonna be resurrected physically, physical and all those other things Paul described. Physical, but not subject to sin, not subject to pain and agony and no need for surgery, no need for, for meds, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Now, now, you know, does that mean, are you going to be able to randomly appear wherever you want like Jesus did, right? Because it sure seems like you read that after the resurrection, Jesus kind of, he appeared in the room with them sort of thing, right? Look, look I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. I mean, if you can, that's going to be cool. I'm going to have so much fun with my kids because that was going to randomly. To be chapter 3, to be doing what we can to be ready for that right now. He tells us that children of God should be preparing for eternity now. Verse 3 Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So if we look forward to this eternal destiny that God's prepared for us and is secured for us through our Lord Jesus, then what John says is it is our job get with the program now. Just start preparing now. Now you recall, because I've said it a million times, if you've been at this church for very long, what I'm about to say, you've heard a million times, and that's okay, because you're going to hear it again. God's stated goal for every one of us, according to Romans 8.29, is that we would be conformed to the image of His Son. Okay, God's stated goal for you is not like the TV preacher that you'd be happy and wealthy and perfectly healthy and blah, 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 dollars. Okay? No in the Bible does God guarantee any of that. God's stated goal for you is you're going to be like Jesus. You will be conformed to the image of his Son. That's the purpose of Romans 8.28. Everybody loves Romans 8.28, right? You know? But when it's talking about God working out things for all of the best, that's in the context of, he's working those things out so that you're going to be like Jesus. Whatever God is doing or allowing in our lives it is meant to make us more like Jesus. It is not necessarily meant to make you happy or wealthy or wise or anything else. Unless that means being more like Jesus. Or as John would put it, to purify us just as Jesus is pure. Now here's the thing about all that. That's great. God's working out whatever according to you know, his ultimate plan, mildly good, make me more like Jesus. The thing about this conforming or this purifying, as John uses that word, is that we can grow from it or we can resist it. We can cooperate with God or we can resist the work of God in our lives. But I'm going to tell you that if we resist, God will probably keep working until we get it right. Because the thing about God is he's not going to let you go. Okay? He loves you too much to let you go. If we resist, God's going to keep working until we get it right. As Dr. Tony Evans says, when God gives you a test, you want to pass it the first time because you do not want to make up It was funny, after my little fall on Friday, or on Wednesday, and on Friday I said to Jen, because that was when I finally came out of my medication-induced haze, <laughs> I remember saying to Jen, I said, you know, maybe one reason God allowed this is, honestly, I have, I now, after those couple of days, have a much better understanding of how difficult it is for her to just do certain man, it, took, it would take me, the first, the first day it took me like five minutes to get myself out of bed and go to the bathroom. I barely moved. You, know, you know, I could be angry for the time that I could have been working for the pain or whatever, <coughs> or I could choose to grow from it and learn some lessons. One of those lessons, I think, is to be more compassionate for those who struggle with physical limitations. I'd be constantly saying to my poor wife, come on, hurry up. And has two days I couldn't be there. <laughs> I could sit in my chair with the heating pad on. In fact, now after <coughs> the first preaching, I'm moving with the heating pad on. Oh, man. I mean, that first day after the ER, uh, I could really get myself out of bed with all this crying and pain. And the most basic things were just excruciating. I can resist and be mad about my little accident. I can be bitter for a time that I'm physically limited, not even compared to a lot of people, i just, you know, the, awful the worst part is you can't go to work out and lift for a few days. But it's funny how you, you know Some mornings I wake up in an early long to The last few mornings I wake up, and all I want to do is go to the gym. We're crazy creatures, aren't we? British, well, I'm really looking forward to that new. Yeah, because I mean, we're dead. But I could just look at the lessons. And that's the better way to look at it. Because God wants me to be more like Jesus, and Jesus is compassionate and loving. Everything that comes along can become a way for us to become more like Jesus, to learn more how to love other people and how to love God. That's going to happen. We're going to have to look for those lessons and want that growth to happen and not resist. You know, when they're little, it is almost universal that children want to please their parents, right? I mean, most little kids want to please their parents. Then they get old and jaded. But I'm saying when the little. And I think it's almost universal that parents want to help their children to grow up and be healthy and productive members of society, right? To be good people, who in our case Follow Jesus and love others and love God. We want that for our children. I say almost universal because I'm I mean I've been around long enough to realize that there are some great parents out there. And there's some kids that no matter what you do, they're just gonna be the way they're gonna be. But in general, those things are true. Children want to please their parents, parents want to bless their kids. So if we're children of God, especially as we are children of God, who God chose, and who He wanted, and who He adopted, and who He sent Jesus to die for, so that it can all be possible. Because none of it would be possible without Jesus, the And God's work prior to any of our doing anything, we should make it our desire to please our heavenly parents, who wants the best for us. He clearly wants the best for us, and He has, His grace and mercy, He done his part on securing our eternal destiny and making us a way to be his children. And even after that, he seeks to parent us in his faithful and loving way to make us more of Jesus, who is the very image of the Now, you know, uh, maybe it doesn't matter anymore child of God. Now that's the ultimate truth. child of God has access to all the resources of God in Christ Jesus. Everything that God can share with us, He will. We're beloved of the Father. We're given the Spirit so that we can become more like our big brother Jesus every day. And we will someday live with Him in every way possible like Him, including a Physical resurrection in a renewed heaven and earth. So, for the, for the brief sojourn we take in this life, it behooves us to make sure that we are cooperating with the Lord's work in our lives, so that we can be prepared for that eternity to Let's pray. Father, what an incredible thing as John says. That we should be called children of God. And thus we are. Not we will be. Not we might be. But we are. A status that we have from now through eternity. Because of Jesus. And all the incredible privileges that that comes with. That we are privileged. To be called and set apart. And will someday... Be as much like Jesus as we can be. And that you are preparing us now to be ready for that eternity. Help us, everyone, to cooperate with your work in our lives. So that we can be more and more like Jesus. Until that time when we see him face to face, which we look forward to. And thank you for his glorious name.